platform focused on women's intimate health. With weekly episodes from the field's top practitioners, we discuss all of the things you've always thought about but never wanted to talk about. On this podcast, we are making the highest quality information on the most beloved part of your body accessible, understandable, and implementable. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck, and I started this platform as a result of my own experience with chronic pelvic pain. Throughout the years I spent healing my body, I became overwhelmingly interested and passionate about these topics and have made it my mission to create awareness and education on the complexities of the female body. Hello, my dear listeners. Happy Wednesday. I am so excited to share this episode with you. It is an amazing one. This incredible woman shares her healing story from the beginning when she woke up one morning in excruciating pain to ultimately going on a two-year journey, searching relentlessly for answers and finding them. And she tells her entire story and what led her to becoming entirely pain-free. It is amazing and inspiring and uplifting, and I just can't wait for you all to hear it. And I also just want to thank you, Gabby, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and just being so willing to talk about your own experience and help other women as well. And lastly, for those of you that want to support the podcast, it would be so greatly appreciated. We really need all of the support that we can get in order to continue producing this content and spreading awareness and education on these really important women's health issues. So if you can support the podcast, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the beehive and you can subscribe to the podcast there which makes you a monthly subscriber. You get access to additional bonus content every month and there's different tiers ranging from $3 a month and up. And the content, I must say, is pretty cool. You get healthy recipes every month. Um, As many of you may know, I love cooking and I'm always making gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free breakfast foods, baked goods, lunch and dinners, smoothies, drinks, like everything. And I'm sharing all of that with you there. In addition to one bonus podcast episode a month, um, there's a lot of great content. So check it out. See if it's something that you want to do We would so greatly appreciate it. We're a very small team trying to make a big difference in the world and all of the support that we can get, we really need and we really appreciate. So thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Today I'm here with Gabrielle Morgan, a 28-year-old from the Boston area who has been living in New York for three years. She works for a corporate luxury fashion brand and moved here to pursue this career. So today she's going to talk to us about her journey with pelvic pain and I'm so glad that you reached out to me and are now sharing your story and talking about everything that you experienced and how you got better. So 
Thanks Absolutely. for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah. And I love when women come on and share their stories because it's in, as interesting as it is, which I said to you before, to hear from practitioners, it's also really interesting to hear from other women who have been through similar things to everyone listening as to how they navigated for sure this kind of crazy craziness <laughs> for sure and obviously yeah. to- can be totally different perspectives from the patient side so exactly and i actually said um on a few a few episodes ago i made like a little announcement at the beginning of of the podcast which I can just reiterate quickly now but it's like everything works differently different things work differently for different people so Mm -hmm. like some treatments you know the treatments that worked for you might not work for someone else so it's really just a platform for people to come on and share their story or share their expertise and what helped them and it's just information for women and whether they want to try something or whether that resonates with them or whether it doesn't, that's totally fine. But this is just like a place for education and awareness and information. Exactly. I love that. I mean, Thank that's you. the whole goal. If you can exactly. reach one person from yeah. this, amazing. That's exactly what I said. I was like, you know, even if one person takes something away or figures out a way to kind of heal themselves from an, an episode, that's that's all that matters. So tell us how everything began, what what was going on. Sure. So kind of a long journey to where mm-hmm. I am now, but this issue started roughly November, December of 2018. I woke up one morning. I started to feel a lot of pain and discomfort, um, like it, it totally all really all over my female region and I obviously felt a sense of panic but tried to brush it off thinking like it's probably UTI probably yeast infection something you felt like burning itching bladder stuff like what did you feel mostly I felt burning in your like blood like when you peed not when I peed and that was the kind of weird and freaky part it was just in my vagina a A burning like a deep burning almost like somebody was pushing a hot poker up and down got it laughing manically it was a really weird feeling Mm -hmm. um so while I tried to say like maybe this is a yeast infection maybe it's a UTI those are things that I had had previously and it didn't feel like that so that's why I was a little bit alarmed got it so I, that's kind of how it started. I tried to ignore it and then went on a family trip a um, month later and the pain just became overwhelming. I was miserable on the entire trip, bent over. It was agonizing. Um, when I got back from the trip, went to three different gynecologists trying to explain the feelings that I was feeling and the different responses were all over the place. You know, I was tested from everything from STDs to yeast to UTIs to blood work, everything. And everything came back completely normal. Mm-hmm. So, Were you living in Connecticut at the time? I was, uh-huh. yes. I was living in Connecticut and I was commuting to New York for work. Mm-hmm. So I started with a gynecologist in Connecticut and the response there was, you know, calm down. Um, you seem very anxious. And I basically said, you know, this is a constant burning. This isn't just like a sex painful thing. This is like an I can't focus on work thing. Mm -hmm. And she said maybe I was going through menopause early Mm -hmm. and and recommended topical estrogen. 
and I was pretty horrified by that. Um, didn't really, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know what to think of that, but said okay, but it just didn't feel like that was right. So I moved to the next gynecologist, this time in New York, and pretty much it was the same response. I'm unsure of what was going on. Um, when you do have sex, try to relax, have a glass of wine, I think, which was the most flooring response that I got and it just kind of continued mm -hmm. and then I was referred to um, a gastroenterologist perhaps something was going on in my stomach um, as they weren't able to figure out what was going on but I guess ultimately something that I found to be recurring was instead of just saying hey we don't know what's going on maybe try this doctor it was trying to put a label on it that right. just seemed so far off to me if you know what I mean Totally, and you knew in your gut that I knew that the answers weren't right. That I you were knew. Getting. Yeah, I mean, I was twenty six at the time. Mm -hmm. I had had a yeast infection. <laughs> I had had a UTI. Like it wasn't these, the same. It wasn't the same. It was an agonizing pain. So, uh, hours of research later, mm -hmm. I found a name online, Doctor Andrew Goldstein. Mm. He is a doctor at the Centers for Vulvovaginal Disorders. Um, called him. I thought, like, kind of this was my last hope. I mean, I was horrified by the name vulvovaginal disorder. Yeah. I mean, what? I talk about that a lot, like, on the podcast and in my own experience. Like, when I first was diagnosed with vulvodynia, I was like, hysterically crying I'm like oh my god this yeah. is something that's never gonna go away I have a crazy disease what the hell is this but then you learn to realize it's actually not as crazy as it sounds and it's like I mean it's a bad term but it, it's it, like yeah it can go away and when when you're in that state of not knowing yeah, it's not good. what's wrong with you I mean the hours that I spent on WebMD I know the hours I so know. And kind of just this sense of like shame that I was on this website called Volvo Vaginal Centers. Um, but I got on, you know, I, I got on a wait list, which was about a month. Um, I was told they didn't accept insurance. It was, I think, either a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars. But you know, at that point, I was desperate for an answer. So went into the appointment um dr goldstein was absolutely amazing he was the was this in new york this was, was in new york oh. so he's based in dc like 50 yes. 50 right yeah mm -hmm. oh have you heard of him before i have you yeah. have yeah so he's based in washington dc but he travels to new york maybe like it's once a month maybe even less mm -hmm. and that was probably why due to the wait list right um but yeah he's based there um so he he saw me in new york um just the the best bedside manner like the kindest man um just could I think immediately sense my I guess ex exhaustion mm -hmm. of being inspected at this point yeah um so asked me what was wrong and I just kind of like immediately broke down mm -hmm. um he spent about 80 minutes with me it started with just a conversation take me through what's going on what are your symptoms who are you? You know, when did this start? Have you had any past traumas? And I took him through the whole thing. And he did an exam um, and basically told me that my pelvic floor muscles were severely tight and tender, like almost the worst he had seen for somebody my age with no like history of trauma. So I didn't really. <laughs> 
I was kind of in shock because he he said specifically the words were hypertonic pelvic floor muscle disorder. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, what what does that, what mean? Does that mean? And what do I do and about what it? what do we do about this? Um, and he just said, you know, your your muscles are so tight that they can't get any oxygen. And the oxygen, the lack of oxygen is what's producing this burning feeling. Mm-hmm. And so that was like the the short terms to help me understand who's not a medical that professional. And yeah. I was like, okay, that, that makes, makes sense, sense yeah. you know. And um, and what do we do? I mean, he he came up with a treatment plan for me. He recommended pelvic floor physical therapy um, twice a week, um, specifically doing this myofascial release, mm-hmm. which is where they're basically molding the muscles back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, he recommended diazepam. Mm-hmm. inserts like vaginal suppositories right. um and then he mentioned the importance of anxiety reduction so whether that be yoga um cognitive behavioral therapy hypnosis whatever i chose to do but something to kind of calm down the nervous system that was so exhausted and hyper alert that is only kind of fueling this issue if, yeah if you know uh, totally yeah and i think for every, like everyone can find a source of anxiety in their life, whether it's high level anxiety or low level anxiety, like we all have it and we can all figure out ways to reduce it. For sure. Yeah. And I think at the, you know, at the time, if I reflect back on when this began, I don't think I truly understood the connection between mind and body. Me neither. Whatsoever. I mean, I, I couldn't fathom anybody telling me that the more anxious I am, the more it's quite possible that my perception mm-hmm. of the pain is increasing. I almost found that to be like offensive. Yeah. But the more that I got into this issue, the more that I found that to be very true. A hundred percent. And what's actually really interesting is to your point, I like even through all this work and talking to so many people, I still it's like still hard to understand when someone's like that your pain is from trauma or your pain is from anxiety, your pain is from your like emotional, uh, your emotions, emotional distress. But I actually had one woman um, come on the podcast, Nicole Sachs, she's a therapist and social worker and she specializes in the mind-body connection Mm -hmm. and and chronic pain. And she just for like two hours, it was the longest episode I've had. It could have been longer than two hours. And she just explained like, physiologically what happens in the body when we're stressed when we're anxious when we have trauma all of this like all of the above and more and like what happens at a cellular level in the body and after that episode I was like this makes so much sense it's wild it's wild but and and and, and until I had a so keep going I interrupted you yeah that just brings up a great point that until I, I I actually understood like from a scientific or biological whatever why point what actually happens in the body and the nervous system Mm -hmm. like i think that helped me get a better grasp of it yeah okay this is a real thing so you know let me try and be a little bit level-headed if possible about the situation yeah so possible (laughs) if possible not not easy um but anyway, I, I did the physical therapy as he recommended mm-hmm. uh, for basically, I think, five months, um, twice a week. And I just did not have success. Mm-hmm. And that was really upsetting to me because 
as you said when we started, everybody's different. And what works for somebody might not, you know, what worked for me might not work for somebody and vice versa. And I think I went in with like a lot of hope. I was about to say that, that that's like the hardest part is you go to a doctor and you think that this is going to be the answer. This is going to be it. You're going to get better. And then you put this time and money into something and you realize it didn't work. And you're like, what now? What now? Yeah. And so, so much time, so much money. Yeah. Um, And so I was going diligently, um, you know, working a full day, going twice a week, um, going to cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. So I had done, I I had had a therapist, you know, um, before, but not specifically cognitive behavioral therapy. Right. Um, So I was doing that once a week. I used the vaginal diazepam. And to be quite honest, like it actually made the burning worse. Worse. That's interesting. It was like my, it just felt like my body was rejecting and revolting against me Mm -hmm. so that didn't work so I quickly learned that and didn't even try that right um I didn't try continuing with that I mean and then basically it just hit a breaking point after five months of trying this you know regimen I called Dr. Goldstein literally on a park bench in parks in uh, Central Park saying I've exhausted everything. What what is next? What do we do here? And, uh-huh. and did you were you like zero percent better? I would say I know it's hard to put a percentage, but I'm just curious. Like, did it help at all, or you were like, this is not working? No, I, it wasn't. It really, just it really nothing wasn't. Yeah. was working for me. Yeah, nothing. Okay, so you called Dr. Goldstein. I called Dr. Goldstein. and I just said nothing is working. I mean, I called him right after I was having such a bad reaction to the suppositories uh-huh. and said, like, this is burning, you know, and he just said, okay, cut that out. And then my pain went back to, like, what the baseline pain was, mm-hmm. but it was just terrible. So he took me that that day, which was shocking. I mean, that's crazy. it was crazy, but I think that he... T- felt so bad he was like look can you come in today and I was like I just left work so I went in to see him and um I'm not sure if I mentioned this but in Mm -hmm. my appointment with him the initial time on that consultation he did mention Botox kind of being the last option that they do there um stressing that it's an off-label use Mm -hmm. so he wanted to try the other try the other things first and so at this point, I said, let's go. Like, I shoot me up. <laughs> I, need, I need this. Yeah. Like, no more. So <laughs> I I did uh, the Botox injections. Um, that my, day. That day. Yeah. Yeah. The first injection was, now this is like May of right. 2018. So I did the first injection. It was like three or four different shots into the muscles mm-hmm. in my vagina. Mm-hmm. And I had, I don't know if I told you, but I had, I got pelvic floor Botox as well. No, you did yeah. not tell me. Yeah. Uh huh. How many injections did you have? I went three times, I think. That's how many I had. Yeah. Really wow. helped. But I'll tell. I'll tell. Okay. We go there. This You've, is like yeah. groundbreaking. This is why I wanted to come on. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here. So I had my first injection in May, mm-hmm. and then I had to space it out. Um. So then the second injection was October and. Another thing I have to be honest about was that the response to the Botox was miserable. My pain probably was at like an eight and a half mm-hmm. before the Botox. And then a couple days after, it would just skyrocket. 
That's interesting. So he did say that some people can have that response to it. Like the pain can get worse before it can get better. I mean, that was really scary to me because I just felt That's like, am really I scary. the odd case of everything? Um, but he did let me know that. And, you know, it was a little frightening to think that, like, my my thought immediately went to, this isn't working. This isn't working. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, sleeping with ice packs every night, like, I mean, I don't know how I kept a job type pain. So I don't know how you kept a job. <laughs> that makes two of us. So, um did the second injection in October and same thing pain got worse before it got better after the second injection I started to feel a difference I so this is like a year now where it's not no no better well after the first injection mm-hmm. the first week right after was terrible uh-huh. the pain was worse but then I felt in a definite improvement oh you did okay yes. Okay. It just took about one to two weeks, I would say, for the Botox right. to kick in. And they do say that, that yeah. it takes a little bit of time, yeah. They do, yeah. So they also stress, like, during this time, right after the injection, you want to make sure that you are so consistent with the physical therapy mm-hmm. because the Botox is paralyzing the muscles. So you need your physical therapist to essentially go in there and massage the muscles back to what's, like, a healthy state and manipulate right. them while they're, like, paralyzed. Mm-hmm. So after the second injection, I was more improved than the first injection. So I was, I was feeling. So you went hope. back like five months after. Yes, I think you said it okay. was roughly five months. Okay. I think there was like a waiting period. It was mm-hmm. maybe f- between four or five months. But got I it. went back, got the second injection. Same thing. Waited another four to five months, um, and all along, you know, he's doing the same test, which I found to be so thorough. So I would, he would do this test where he would see the improvement of the muscles and he was able to feel the tone of the muscles changing. So that, you know, that gave me a level of, of positivity. Was the test like a exam with his like hand? Like was, was he feeling kind of like how they do in physical therapy? It's actually like... Or the cute... Was it, it's a Q-tip the Q-tip test. The Q-tip test, yeah. The Q-tip test. Yeah. So the first time I ever went in for that exam yeah it was he took a q-tip right and he felt different spots spots yeah and just said what's your pain level here what's your pain level here and i i mean from the time that i went in to see him for the first time Mm -hmm. i i was leaping off the table yeah um and he was just lightly touching me with a q-tip so he would do that after every round of botox to see how i was tolerating it and i mean we were both seeing that spots i would say you know, okay, that's that's not as bad. And he would remind me, okay, well, when I touched this for the first time, you know, you it was unbearable for you. So um, each time that improved, and then the third round of Botox, I I think was what I mean. I mean, I know mm-hmm. really knocked the pain out of the park for me. Um, and he he stressed when we talked about Botox that he didn't know how many rounds it was going to take for me. Some people just get one some people get three he has some girls that go every single month Mm -hmm. so it's all about your body and and how you respond respond to it yeah and and some might not respond at all to it so after the second time you felt improvement i did if you had to put a number at your pain level after the second time like was it 50 percent better i would say it was 
probably 50% better. So you were a little bit more hopeful. I was for sure. I was for sure a little bit more hopeful. Uh But nonetheless, even though I had that first round of Botox where I went through the pain getting worse after. Did it get worse after the second one? It did get after the second round again. So that panic, I still could not break off of that panic cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mentioned being in therapy weekly and that was something that we discussed and tracked like Mm -hmm. how to remain calm during those moments and knowing like okay you're going into your second round of botox you know you have to remember that it's going to get worse before it gets better so sometimes it would take me writing it down like physically writing as a log that this was something that was essentially, you know, quote unquote, normal for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Because I was, I would lose sight of that. I was such, in such a hysterical, you yeah. know, state that I would forget and it would be like I was experiencing it all over again. And I think it's also, it becomes helpful, you know, after, after the first time you went for Botox, you knew you ended up you got worse, but then you ultimately got better. Mm-hmm. So it's like because I I I've bit like I go to CBT therapy mm-hmm. on occasion now, but I would say once a month. But it's you know my therapist tells me the same thing. It's like if you ever don't feel well or something ever comes up that like triggers some sort of a pain or a sensation that you had, like instead of going into this panic mode you know this has gone away however many times so it's like you just have to remember that that like this is not going to be the one time where it comes and stays forever that's not going to happen for sure for sure so okay so you go back to the third you go back to dr goldstein for the third round of botox went for the third round of botox and again i mean successful I felt even I felt even better and I and after the third round I did not experience that week of pain Uh after and I don't know why that is but I it just I didn't have that it was like maybe my body was getting used to the Botox so the third round um diligent with physical therapy and then I had this morning where I woke up and I just felt nothing that's great how how long after it was probably a month after the third injection that it was the first time that I had ever woken up and felt nothing. And it was like this like the tiptoeing feeling because I was feeling, I was starting to feel better, but I never was able to go like an hour without thinking about a it a sensation no yeah. like even just like a physical sensation yeah. I was better but like it was still I, it there was still always there always following me and so it it literally was just like that it was the morning I just woke up and I opened my eyes and I remember the first thought was like I don't feel pain but I was terrified to do anything I I mean I know we'll we'll, we'll get yeah. to this about like how this affected my life but like I just didn't, I wanted that feeling to last. And I was so scared that any, I know this sounds ridiculous, but any sudden like no, it's movement or like so if I normal. decided to walk to work today, is that going to provoke the pain? Like I just didn't know. So that's sounds so normal. And I even still, I think about that sometimes. Cause like 
after we go through this, we have people tell us like yoga could hurt is like not good for some people or spinning isn't good for some people. So even still today, I'm like, oh no, if I like go to too many spinning classes, is this a pain going to come? Like I still oh, have those I, thoughts. I mean, I refuse to go to SoulCycle. Right. You're not getting me on a bike. Right. No way. I go. <laughs> I actually, after a long time now, I, I'll go like twice a month I'll go but like I still have the fear I'm like oh no if some people have told me that this is terrible and people reach out to me they're like my pelvic floor is all messed up from soul cycle sorry soul cycle but yeah so now I'm like I get nervous but I'm like you know what if anything happens I know how to deal with it so for sure it's okay for sure but I I have to be honest I I still battle those thoughts I mean that's it's funny that you mentioned that because I think you know I'm so while I can say you know, happily, I'm in a, a better place. Mm-hmm. Like, this is still a journey. Yeah. Soul, you know, I yeah. get worried that it's going to come back, whether yeah. it be like a simple soul cycle class or walking, pushing myself too much. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a real fear. So, mm-hmm. and I think that that, you know, it is for most women who have been through this because it's just such a, it's terrible. So, once you have that, like, it's amazing that you figure out how to get get the pain to go away and then it's like if this comes back like for sure and it just becomes like you know it's like the site that cycle of fear doesn't stop first it's like I'm gonna have this forever Mm -hmm. I'm never gonna have sex I'm never gonna get married nobody's ever gonna love me and now it's what if it comes back right what if I you know what do I do like do I try to have sex do I not like how do I explain this to to a future partner you know so it's yeah the 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 fear just becomes different. You, your your fear like latches on to something else at this yeah. point. It's interesting. So did the pain, has the pain remained gone? So currently, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, it's been gone fully for, I would say since June mm-hmm. um, of 2019. So it's it's amazing i mean it's still wild to me to even think about like how long it's been gone for my i have had a pain flare my last pain flare was august Mm -hmm. um and i do attribute that to certain things you know can you want to talk yes no absolutely i mean again with like the mind and body connection that i didn't believe in Uh i was feeling so good and i was like just so happy that i was feeling better and i finally reclaimed my life and wasn't feeling depressed and isolated anymore and i was like you know i'm gonna go off of my anxiety medication Mm -hmm. and to be very honest i didn't consult my Psychiatrist. My, my psychiatrist yeah. so don't ever do that anybody yeah. it's not it's not a smart thing to do mm-hmm. um, I don't think I really truly realized that you can't make a decision how to taper off on no. your own and yeah. I thought I was tapering off so I stopped taking my medicine and um, I was in Texas visiting a, a girlfriend of mine and I think it started with an anxiety attack Mm -hmm. out of nowhere like I just had a massive full-blown panic attack and then felt pain and then you went back and then I had pain for like two weeks and you know just this vicious cycle of like it's back it's it's coming back and in my mind that pain was truly you know not a level eight but like it was a level six Mm -hmm. like feeling like before Botox and it I mean it was just terrifying all over again so as soon as I went back to my psychiatrist went back on the medication I was pain-free 
That's amazing. You know what's really interesting also? Um, I another I spoke with another woman. She she didn't come on the podcast, but I think she might have reached out to me or a mutual friend connected us. And she actually, she saw Dr. Goldstein as well. And she was on an anti-anxiety medicine. And she said just that the one medication took her pain away completely. I, I believe and it. And she had I like mean, severe vulvodynia, severe pelvic pain. And just interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, to me... I don't. I didn't realize it at the time what a connection there was, but once I went back on the medicine mm-hmm. and saw how quickly that pain went away, I mean, I was like, okay, this is this is related. Um, so it, it was crazy. Did you tell like what did Dr. Goldstein say after the third round of Botox when you were better and? Was I mean, he's so he, happy or like what was his? Oh my gosh, he oh. was he was happy that this man had started to become like a father to me. Yeah. I mean, he was following up with me. He was checking in. He I mean he was in constant communication with my physical therapist. So I, I felt like I had a real team between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the third round, he was so happy, and we did not set another appointment for a year. So he was like, you're good. You're good. Um, should anything happen, you know where to reach me. Just keep up with the mental therapy. Keep up with the physical therapy, um, and you should be okay. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of how him and I left off. And when I had this flare-up in August, I contacted him via email, like in Texas, in a panic, mm-hmm. and I let him know, hey, I went off my anxiety medication. I'm in a, a horrible state of pain. Like, what's going on? But never did I put two and two together, even typing out that email. And he responded right away. And I forget exactly what did he, he what he said specifically, but he knew that that there was for sure a connection and it was just kind of like okay you know let's get you back on the medication and let's take it from there before we do anything he sounds amazing this this man has changed my life i mean i get like emotional talking about it because i have the chills it's just i mean he i he he changed my life i don't i don't know what I would have done if I had not stayed persistent and like believe that there's somebody out there who has had a symptom that I'm feeling somewhere in this world and there's somebody out there that knows what I'm dealing with Mm -hmm. and I'm so lucky that I found him and he is so amazing I mean the bedside manner of the doctors that I saw before I mean it was just so bad it was horrible it just made it pushed me into this massive state of depression Mm -hmm. that I was already in I didn't think I could go even deeper into yeah what did your physical therapist say when you weren't getting better from PT I'm just curious like what their reaction or response was I think you know that the my physical therapist was kind of quick to say that the amount of physical therapy whether it be one time a week or two times a week and how long you go for Mm -hmm. is again different for everybody right so similarly to the botox the amount you get maybe is not going you know every every case is different so that was her first approach and she did not want me to get frustrated she wanted me to continue with the schedule that i was on um i think that she felt badly for me Mm -hmm. and there were many a day that I would come after work and 
just break down and cry and say, is this ever going to work? And why isn't this working? And what is one thing that I have to say is what was probably one of the most difficult things for me was that at one point, I think after the first round of Botox, she started to feel a difference that I couldn't feel. Mm -hmm. So she's feeling improvement and telling me, wow, like the muscle tone is is getting more, um, it's more flexible and, you know, it feels, I feel such an improvement, but I couldn't feel that. So, you know, am I crazy? Like what's, what's going on here? So that was something really difficult for me. So after... After this third round of Botox where you were feeling good, did you continue to go to pelvic floor physical therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy? Or, or, you know, how long after were you kind of like, I'm good, I can kind of slow down with all the other things you were doing? Sure. So it was a while Mm -hmm. after I completely cut out physical therapy. After the third round of Botox, I was still going... uh, at first twice a week I continued to do that because I was scared I was again like I was so afraid to do anything that might bring it back that I I didn't want to Mm -hmm. you know stop doing something that you know I was instructed to do so I kept with twice a week and then slowly you know kept asking my physical therapist can we can we get down to once a week can we get down to once a month and slowly we started to to taper down and um i have not been to physical therapy in probably six months Mm -hmm. i think it's amazing that you really figured out what what was the answer for you and i'm so glad that you're sharing this thank you i mean talking about it the story in my you know just hearing myself talk about it Mm -hmm. it sounds so much quicker than it actually went but I mean, no, it, was, a long, it, it, I get it was two years of this and I, I, I had an experience that inspired me to come on here um, uh-huh. where like I met, I was going to acupuncture as well. That was another thing that right. I was trying to do for myself and I was doing that four times a week. Um, and I was sitting in the waiting room and this woman turned over to me and she's like, you know, is this acupuncturist any good? blah 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 and I don't know what came over me but I think I was at the point where so many people had looked inside me prodded me like I just I had no inhibitions I was like yep she's amazing like I'm here for my vagina like it's you know she took my pain away because I believe that also part of this which I I'm glad I'm adding now is that acupuncture was something that really worked for me. Mm-hmm. It calmed my mental state and it made my pain less. I don't know yeah. which one, it, you know, which one it was affecting more. But um, so I turned to this woman and I said, this is what she's treating me for, which to me is a very rare thing. Right. So if, you know, you're here for back pain or something, which to me sounded a little bit more common when it came to an acupuncturist, I don't know. Um, she'll help you and she just kind of looked at me and I thought oh god maybe that was a rude comment and she said no I'm actually here my granddaughter is suffering tremendously with pelvic pain and I I mean I like my jaw dropped and I like had chills and I just felt like 
this was a moment in my life that I have never had where I was in the place in this place meant to be in that place at the right time right and she like just like looked really sad and she just said you know she's she's young she's younger than probably you are she's um you know in her early 20s and she's in college her you know her grades are suffering she's becoming very isolated she's actually you know this she doesn't really like going to acupuncture you know would you be willing to speak with her and i was like absolutely give give me her number i'll text her so she gave me her number and i you know put together this text message you know because i i wanted to be cognizant of you know her feelings and this conversation i just had with her grandmother and i sent her a message and she responded within seconds it was like so grateful she she you know she called me crying it was this whole thing we had a meeting we met for coffee um and this went on with her for a couple of months of encouraging you know encouraging her to take certain steps I I literally made a list of things that I'm doing things that are working for me and I I like to believe that I I helped her and I you know she just recently got Botox injections something that she was not willing to do and was just terrified of because she had had so many people tell her she was crazy Mm -hmm. she didn't trust anybody so that is really what inspired me and and i found after that situation i got i got an email one day i had forgotten that i had signed up for this this is kind of embarrassing Mm -hmm. this like essentially pelvic pain chat room okay so this is what i would do in like the the hours of the night when I you know was laying in bed with like ice packs between my legs like I would stay up researching what what was wrong with me and who were there other people experiencing this so I found myself at at one point in this chat room um and I basically forgot that I had made this account and somebody sent me a message and now this is going back to when I'm better now Mm -hmm. um right after I had thought that I had helped this girl a lot and this person a male reached out to me um and just said hey you know your story with the botox was really inspiring you know would you be comfortable having a call with me i'm really struggling mentally and he's somebody i i don't know a lot about him personally we never got to that because it wasn't necessary but he's somebody who i've been on a journey with as well like helping him talking to him We've helped each other during flare-ups. Um, and I, it was after feeling like I impacted this person that I was like, you know what? I, I don't even care that this is a, a topic that I couldn't even fathom talking about, you know. So I'm going to write this article. And I wrote an article about my experience with Which this. Which is amazing. Yes. And everyone has to read. Where could, what website is it on again? It's on Medium. Okay. So, so how can everyone find it? Because it's so good. I, I can, well, I can send it, it to you and, and if you can link it. That would yeah. be amazing. Perfect. The response I got to that was like, I put it on my Instagram story and people were DMing me. It was crazy. And I just had this like revelation that I was like, you know, Gab, get outside yourself. Like, mm-hmm. stop thinking that this topic is so taboo and weird. And, you know, if some guy that you dated six months ago hears this, is going to start talking about you, like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Just put your story out there because you are impacting people. And if you can impact more people, 
how wonderful that would be. And that's something that fulfills me. So those, you know, those two individuals and, and the response to the article was really when I reached out to you and, and in hopes of reaching more people with, with your following. So I'm so glad you did. Thank you. And your article was amazing. Thank you. Similarly to the story that you just told, the reason that I, I mean I've always been someone who's like very like I overshare everything I'm very outspoken like everyone if I have a problem the world will know about it <laughs> I'm the same way. but I was in pelvic floor physical therapy and I was literally seeing mutual friends in the waiting room and I was oh like my gosh. that's that's when I was like this is crazy I'm I would be like you're here what are you here for what are you here for that's crazy yeah like it I not my best friends but like friends of friends right. and like we knew each other we had seen each other like out or whatever it was and then I kind of was just slowly realizing I'm like this is way too common and I said to my physical therapist I was like this is crazy I'm meeting someone like left and right every week who has similar issues I was telling that with my friends and then friends were saying oh my you need to talk to my friend you need to talk to my friend this person has this this person has that and I was just like, sh- and I loved podcasts. Mm-hmm. This was like two years ago. And I said to my physical therapist, I was like, should I start a podcast on this? And they were like, definitely. We'll help. Like, we'll be on the first few episodes. We'll help you. That's, ama- that's amazing. Because I was like, this is crazy. So many people have these issues and no one is talking about it. No one knows what to do. And just like you and I, for so long, you think you're the only person in the world who has this. And you're like, wait and then, and then you realize you're like how the hell is that possible exactly if, if, if this is happening to me like this has got to be happening to other women for sure and now that i have talked about it yeah. i know what's you, happening to other women you realize. but for two years you know i just like you said i mm-hmm. i thought i was completely alone in the world and i did not talk to anybody about what i right. was going through except for a couple people yeah um being my mom who, That's exactly yeah. my next question. Like, who, while you were going through it, who were the main people that you confided in and that helped you get through this? So my mother was, like, the number one person. Yeah. I mean, she was on vacation with me, like, when I just went downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was there from, like, the beginning. And my mom and I have kind of, like, a Gilmore Girls-type relationships where I'm so lucky that, I'm very comfortable talking to her and being like, okay, you know, my vagina feels like it's going to fall off, you know. <laughs> so I'm so grateful that I had her. Um, she was the main person. And then my therapist, honestly, mm-hmm. I, I tried to talk to like a couple um, girlfriends and it started off by me just trying to normalize it, I guess, a little bit by being like, hey, you know, sex is really painful for me. Like, what do you think I should do? Instead of saying like, you know, this hurts all the time. Sitting at work like never ends. Because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. To me, just like saying that sex once in a while was painful sounded a little bit more casual. And I just found like the response, I guess, to be a little bit disappointing. I started to feel like annoying. I feel like I'm a super open person too and I'm kind of like an overshare mm-hmm. and I wouldn't get anything back so I just kind of withdrew yeah. even more like why bother I felt like a annoying and I don't know I just it, it just made me feel worse mm-hmm. so I think really just my mom my therapist and then um I had actually one really amazing 
guy friend, if you can believe, that I opened up to about it. And he was like really with me through the entire thing. I'm actually dating him now, but that he was just a friend through the entire thing. And I, you know, I'm 20-something years old, living in New York City, trying to date, trying to once in a while have a night where I'm trying to take my life back. And I'm going on Bumble and Hinge dates drinking too much wine because I'm so nervous Mm -hmm. that maybe I'll like somebody and have to tell them my issue and I would you know have too much wine after a date and and he was always there for me to listen to me and it was like I think after a date that went bad like high school college no we just met randomly like in Connecticut yeah and just developed this I need amazing detail. Just amazing friendship. Yeah. I mean, and it just got to a point where like, I mean, he knew I was going on all these dates just trying to be a normal girl struggling with this this issue. And it was like one date that I think just like nothing in particular happened. It just like pushed me over the edge where I was so insecure in myself that I think, you know, I had a little mm-hmm. too much wine and Got, got home, called him up, and, like, told him about this issue I was going through and was like, I'm going to be alone forever. Like, no male form is ever going to love me. And he was like, mm, okay, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and I was just floored by the response. And I was like, this is somebody that I can talk to about this, that I can say, like, exactly the symptoms that I'm feeling, the whole thing. So, and that's exactly what I did. I I would tell him when I was going to these appointments and, you know, the first time I told him I was going to get Botox there, he was like, aren't you supposed to get that in your forehead? Like, just like making jokes to try and like make me feel better. And that was just what I needed. Like, I needed that. so And so, so yeah. So, I mean, three people. I mean, that's, that's very, very minimal it's very hard Mm -hmm. to get in an elevator with your girlfriends and everybody's talking about their weekends and you're in complete mental distress I mean every every aspect of your life doesn't affect every aspect when you were going on all of these dates because this is something that you know any woman who's going through any of these issues you know they're trying to like have a normal life and if you're single try and date if that's what you want and it's like I think that's something that everyone probably is wondering is how did you go on these dates and like if it got to the point where you wanted to have sex or the conversation came up about the pain that you were having like how did you approach that or did you not approach it or you know what did you do yeah I mean I feel like for whatever reason, this is the most one of the most sensitive parts for me to talk about, mm-hmm. um, because I just think that this part in in, in particular affected me very deeply because I really hit my self esteem pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, it was not at the beginning of experiencing this issue, I was not dating. That was mm-hmm. the last of my thought. I was going to bed every single night with an ice pack between my legs so that wasn't a thought for quite some time I can't say exactly how long it was whether it was five or six months into the pain whatever but 
my days consisted of barely getting through work, coming home, putting ice between my legs and researching. That that was my life. Um, something, you know, I don't know exactly what it was, but I was just so frustrated at one point. I was like, you know, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to date. I, I think I was just feeling so lonely and I could not seek comfort in girlfriends. So, you know, I craved something. So I tried to go on Bumble and Hinge, I think was what I was using. I tried to go on dates. Um, I wasn't, I, I could not get outside myself in my own thoughts. So I went on dates. I, you know, drank a lot of wine. I was nervous. I, I was sitting there in physical pain. So that's like another thing. I was very much in a very high level of pain on these dates. So I was not thinking about anything but my pain, but was trying to act like a normal 20-something-year-old girl going through the actions of trying to date in New York City. So, I mean, honestly, if I'm being very honest, I feel like that's why I'm here. I think there were a couple dates that got to like, maybe a third date or something and I was like this is you know I'm going through a pain issue is kind of how I would say it um and they would say what do you mean and I would just say like kind of like endometriosis type thing and right now I would say it's not like that they're two totally different things but I don't know why I feel like I knew guys who had sisters that knew that word. And I was like, I'm just going to throw this on the table and see how they react to it. And they were just kind of like, okay, so. And I would just be like, okay, so yeah, so Pinot Noir? Like, I mean, it, that's how it would go. And then to answer your question, when it would get, you know, to the point of, okay, I'm kind of seeing this person consistently. There was so much anxiety. Like, it was so, you know, there was times where, like, maybe it was getting there and I just, I literally wouldn't let it happen because I was almost, like, near a panic attack. Like, what if it's painful? What if it's agonizing? How do I explain that? Like, this is going to be over. He's never going to talk to me again. And so one time I finally, like, gave in, you know, a couple times, I think, and tried and it it was it was awful it was it was it was not possible for me to have sex like it was that painful so I tried and I like said like hey this is really painful for me like I don't feel comfortable doing this and like the response was just as you would probably imagine like I'm sorry what and would just like never talk to me again and it was just like complete ghosting. And that just pushes you into a deeper state of depression. Because you're like, okay, this is actually, here's my self-fulfilling prophecy. I thought I was never going to be with anybody and never going to be able to have sex. And now no one wants to be with me and I'm not able to have sex. So like, yay for me for trying. And this is what the outcome is. No way. No one will ever understand. So it did not work out in my favor so then okay so how did you well you met you were already friends with your boyfriend now and then how did you end up like to give us a quick idea of how (laughs) 
it ultimately has now worked itself out. Like, how did you end up dating him? I mean, I think, you know, we were friends for mm-hmm. so long and he had been with me, you know, as a friend through this process and seen me really at my darkest and most isolated state and still like loved me through all of that and he was very clear that like if this is a lifelong problem for you like I'm here for it like I don't really find this to be an issue if you're in pain like I don't want that because I care about you and you know it doesn't like turn me off that you're not comfortable and I feel like once I got more comfortable with myself and the pain level like had to go away for me to get there. Exactly. Like this was like not something that was just like, oh, you know, I'm going to try dating this person. Like it was not like that. It took a very long time for the pain to um, go away, for me to get myself in a healthier mindset. I mean, there were so many things that had to happen for me to even try to fathom bringing somebody else into the mix that it was more just like okay this person is saying that they are going to accept if sex is painful sometimes I don't believe that but let me see for myself Mm -hmm. and so it was just that like if we went to dinner and I was having a night where like I felt like maybe you want to go out with your friends and meet up like I can't how does that person react as they go out do they continue to go out or Mm -hmm. do they come home with you and Mm -hmm. like be with you in those moments and it was just those moments and seeing you know how he handled it that I was like okay this is somebody who is going to support me and this Mm -hmm. is somebody that if I'm in pain that's okay we can try again when I'm feeling better and, and that's just like very hard to come by in, in a in in a person. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to find a girlfriend willing to talk about it. It's hard to find a a doctor that doesn't tell you that it's in your head to relax. And it's hard to find like a partner that doesn't take it personally if you're not enjoying sex because it's even as a woman like mm-hmm. if. You know, if a guy is not enjoying it, you're like, okay, what's going on here? Am I not attractive? Right. Like, it's like, what am I doing wrong? We immediately want to jump to, like, a conclusion. So, you know, I don't know. It just, it was a feeling of safety that I hadn't felt for a while. And I think that also goes back to the point that we, you know, I made on in regards to your story earlier is that, like, even though it is hard to come by, as you said, a doctor or a friend or a boyfriend, like these people do exist. Yes. And don't give up and don't lose hope because like, even if you don't find that doctor, the first first one you see or the first guy you meet, like there are people who are understanding and accepting and you will find that person. Sometimes it just takes time, but everything in life takes time ultimately so it's you know and it's like that's the person that was meant to be in your life and maybe this is how it all had to unfold I I mean I literally like couldn't have said that better it's not about this person it's not about like 
any of that. The, like, mm. the real thing that it's about is like, yes, these people exist in the world who believe in you, who um, are there to help you find an answer, who will love you. I mean, should you never be able mm-hmm. to have penetrative sex? And there are women out there mm-hmm. um, who can't have penetrative sex. And they go on and have very successful relationships. So mm-hmm. it's not like a matter of, you know, what's going on now in terms of like, yes, I'm able to have a healthy relationship, but like I'm at a place in my life where I know that I am, will be able to find people right. to connect with. Right. And I won't be alone anymore. So, I mean, it's, it's like that's, that's, it's hopeful. And like, yeah. I, I guess my biggest um, message was that, like, to not let anybody intimidate you and like just don't give up hope. Mm-hmm. And I, even before I had hope and I, was having healthy relationships with people when I was connecting with this younger woman experiencing this pelvic pain problem and trying to date and in college it was funny because I didn't believe I feel like some of the words that I was telling to her and preaching to her about look you know yes you will go on to have a healthy relationship you will find somebody that loves you and you will be able to have sex you know you will be able to get to that second level dilator you know those things are possible I was sharing that message before I believed it myself I'm not sure why but now I see that those things are actually possible for myself and I feel like that's something a lot of times um something that people do is like you know it's easier to give advice than to like believe it yourself and I was helping these other people when a lot of the things I think I was saying at the time I don't know that I was you know as adamant in believing them as I am now but I wanted them to find hope Mm -hmm. so yeah and I also I've actually read a lot about this recently, but I think, well, from what I've read, I guess I now know that there's something therapeutic in helping other people. So So maybe that's like what was happening within you. You were like, okay, I still feel pain. I still feel these symptoms. But if I met this person who has the same thing I have and if I can help them, there's something like, I guess, going on in your brain making you in a way feel better i mean without a doubt Uh i I can't even like tell you the level of enthusiasm was almost bizarre i mean i had gone from like i mean i I mean it's not even like i laugh but it's not funny i mean i was very 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 depressed and then went from this level of like i will i will go with you to acupuncture like i will you're afraid of like the needles like it works i will sit with i will sit with you like this Botox, like, it will help you. Like, let me just have a consultation with Dr. Goldstein. Like, I know you've seen six doctors. I know they've, you know, taken out tissue that maybe didn't need to be taken. Just try this person. And, like, it was it was like I was so riled up because, mm-hmm. like, I believed. I wanted them to believe and I and I believed. And so I do think that, even if there was still pain there, even if I was maybe having a bad day, 
a thousand percent. I couldn't agree with you more. There was something cathartic about totally connecting and sharing and being a support for somebody who needed me Mm -hmm. and and feeling needed myself felt amazing if you had to give one piece of advice for other women whether it's a way to advocate for themselves at doctor's appointments or something that you've shared so much but something else that helped you kind of along the way to stay sane or Mm -hmm. you know is there anything else that you can kind of give to other women listening as a as a takeaway sure so I mean there's a few things number one I mean you have to be an advocate for yourself you have to listen to your body you know as women I hate to say it but it's so easy for us to be deemed as like a little bit hysterical or crazy or as I was called many times emotional so Don't let that stop you from listening to the symptoms you're feeling, whatever they may be. And like you have to do the research and keep pushing. I mean, there were hours spent, yes, on WebMD and yes, convincing myself I had things that I don't actually have, but it ultimately led me to find Dr. Goldstein uh, because I I refused to give up. I refused to find somebody that knew what I was experiencing that had an answer to that. Um, And another thing that I would say is that it's absolutely a multifaceted approach. There's not one thing that I think helped me. I can't sit here and say Botox is what cured me. I think Botox, you know, maybe 80% if I had to put a percentage on it helped me. But what else pushed me there was the psychotherapy that I did consistently, the facts and fears charts that I made nightly, reminding myself that I have had a pain-free day, the medication for um, anxiety, um, the acupuncture. All of that combined is, I think, what got me to the place I'm in now. Um, and lastly, I think if I could, what I what I would like to tell myself if I could go back in time was that absolutely there is such a thing as a mind-body um, connection and approach. And I know I said that before, but I refuse to believe it. But I have seen firsthand in myself that when I cut off that medication, like I was, my pain levels skyrocketed. Um, so, you know, if you need to be on medication, who cares? Like, do whatever you have to do for you. Don't let anybody's stigma towards anything, whether it's talking about your vagina or, you know, taking the anxiety medication, do what works for you and know that uh, there's absolutely a mind-body connection and um, just listen to yourself and know that there is somebody out there who has or is dealing with this and there is absolutely without a doubt hope thank you we are so welcome (laughs) is there one resource that you can recommend i know that you said you read amy stein's book which i actually have a few copies of um so i want to do a giveaway or something where i can send those out to some people but so good it's so good but is there anything else off the top of your head that was a helpful resource for you 
Sure. I mean, so I'll be very candid. Like, I personally went to Beyond Basics physical therapy, Mm -hmm. but shockingly, I mean, again, I didn't even know what a pelvic floor was. So apparently there's pelvic floor therapists anywhere, but that's where I went. I loved it. Um, I mean, as much as you can love waking up at 7 a.m. and being massaged uncomfortably (laughs) down there. Um, But that's where I went. Um, And... I also use dilators. I don't think we like mm-hmm. talked about that, but I mean it's another like kind of embarrassing thing to talk about. But I did that and and I ordered this like set that they recommended at Beyond Basics from like this it's called Vaginismus and it's like a six size dilator mm-hmm. set that you would use kind of like with like progression steps. So you start at this the smallest level and then as your pain gets less and less I guess the point is to try and like stretch the area. Those really worked for me. It's something that I continue with. So as I said before, I'm not currently or haven't gone to physical therapy in a while. That's something that I plan to like check in with just for like my own kind of Mm -hmm. check in. Um, But while I'm not doing that, I use the dilators Mm -hmm. to like just keep the muscles like stretched and relaxed Um, and yeah and then amy stein's book um healing pelvic pain that i use specifically for the breathing techniques and um the stretches were really helpful so i would i would do those every morning when i woke up and then every night before i went to bed and i would also put the dilators in the freezer i don't know if anybody that's actually so smart else did that but like if your feeling is burning like I don't know. The cold sensation was like really soothing to me. That's so smart. So, yeah. I just want to make one quick point um, that's so really so important about everything you're saying is that you were clearly like so committed to getting better. And I think that that's so important because while it's so like, I know from my own experience, you know, we all know how exhausting it is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's so important to actually be committed and to like stick with the routine and stick with the therapy. And as you said, you were doing your therapy homework at night and your stretches and you were doing everything because although you were suffering, you were also believing that like, I'm going to do this because I'm going to get better. And I think that that's so important is for women to know that like you have to stay committed to doing all these things if you want to get better you really do absolutely and like yeah I'm feeling good now but the reality is is that when and if I have a baby like this could very much so come back and Dr. Goldstein was like very honest with me like I've asked repeatedly like is this going to be a lifelong thing you know can you know sex become very painful again or you know can the pain the everyday type pain that I had been feeling come back and like the answer was like you don't know like just as I don't know exactly what triggered this this could come back at any point in my life but now I have the tools Mm -hmm. to navigate this and And the people and the people and as you said like now I know what having a day to a week Mm -hmm. to a month to a year of no pain is like so that when and if this a flare-up, which, you know, honestly, probably is going to come back at mm-hmm. some point, whether it's 
something, you know, God forbid traumatic that triggers it or an exercise class gone wrong because I've, I've had that. Like, yeah. I've left a 305 class where I'm like, okay. That didn't feel right. Shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And, like, I've had that wave of anxiety. But, like, being able to push that out and mm-hmm. be like, nope, I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to let this take over my mindset right now. Right. That is not easy and I sound a lot more confident than I am, but it is a lot of self-talk. I yeah. mean, literally, I would talk to myself. Yeah. I would write on my bath, this another crazy thing, but yeah. I would write on my bathroom mirror, mm-hmm. like, positive affirmations mm-hmm. and it was so it was smart. all about writing that. for me it's like in college when you like make flashcards to remember things for me it was like re- logging good pain days or something that I did that made me feel good because I wouldn't remember I refuse to acknowledge days that like were a little bit better but reflecting back and like knowing that there's hope is you know however you have to keep it in your perspective whether it's a therapist, writing, anything, you know, do it. But fi- but find, and this sounds so preachy, yeah. but like find it within yourself too because it's 100% it, true. There's no, you know, the, you might not be in, a, in the relationship you're in now forever. You might not always have your mom in your life being there telling you that things are going to get better. You might not always have the same doctor. Mm-hmm. I might not always have Dr. Goldstein in my life, mm-hmm. you know, what I used to joke with him, what am I going to do when you retire? Yeah. But if you feel like a level of comfort and security in yourself and knowing that you are well equipped to handle this on your own, I think like that is really important. Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much about myself and like I have just, I guess it just put things in perspective for me. I've never been very fortunate that I've never really had anything to deal with in life like this so it just put things in perspective anybody who has any questions about anything that I've said no question is too uncomfortable trust me my email is g m o r g 92 at yahoo.com amazing and I think that's it okay well thank you so so much i'm so grateful for this and i i hope that you know somebody somebody out there listening to this um just knows that whatever the symptom may be you know that that they're not alone and that maybe it's not the same diagnosis there's a lot of different things out there that can stem from vaginal pain but that you know there's there's hope and there's an answer so thank you again of course and for everyone listening if anyone has any questions for us for the podcast for me you can contact info at the beehive.com with any questions concerns comments feedback it's all welcomed and i hope everyone enjoyed this episode This podcast is for education purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.